Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Good afternoon, everybody. We have the distinct pleasure of hosting Deborah Robb, Executive Director of Communities and Schools here at Good Gab. Deborah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. How's your morning going? The morning's good. Nice. I know. Yeah. It's kind of crispy out there. I mean, I'm not talking. The weather's not good. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? It's Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday. I'm going to be done with work in a couple hours, I think. That's awesome. I started my day this morning at the satellite. Uh, I had breakfast at wow. 7 a.m. Uh, so I met a friend who... Uh, um, Nathaniel Pryor, actually, he's oh, the leader yeah. from Spokane. Yeah, I need to talk, call him anyway. You Perfect. do. He's just a great guy. So right. we were chatting it up, and uh, I learned something. So Friday, seven a.m. is party night uh, for a big group of people. Um, it was a party. Everyone was drinking, and At there were shots. The yes. At the satellite. Yes, and so me just having to be like hearing things. I'm like, okay, what's really happening? Because Nate's like. It's 7 a.m. What's going on? And uh, they were all from an aerospace manufacturing company. They were the night shift. Oh. So this was their Friday night. I see. Okay. And I'm like, this is like a movie. Like, this is Steel Town USA. Yeah. Well, people coming off of the shift. At first, I was like, what, yeah. what, what group of people is this? And who? how do I need to get invited? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like meets at 7 a.m. at the satellite, starts drinking on a Friday morning. <laughs> so it was incredible. There's like 30 people in there. Like, by the time breakfast is done, we're just having coffee, you know, trying to, you know, solve the world's problems. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, dance party. Right. Yeah. So, so it was a great morning. It you know? is a like, great way to that's start That's Spokane, the day. right? There's just... All sorts of stuff happening everywhere. Yeah, it's true. Indeed. Well, yeah. what's going on in your organization right now? Ooh, so much change. Um, so my the current ED. Well, how about this? I'm I'm assuming the executive director position in on January first or second, however you want to see it. Uh, that's coming up. I know it's crazy. So he's transitioning out. It's Chuck T. Garden. He's been there for I don't know since 2015, um, and really instrumental in getting the organization from a pretty in unstable place to a very stable place. So he, um, so that was, that was the work that he did. And, um, he's going to retire. He's going to be in the background until April. And then he, he calls it terminal vacation, oh, which I really hate. Dang. Yeah. That's Isn't that nasty. No, it, it just doesn't like, feel right. I know yeah. it makes you, <laughs> I know it's like, exactly. Yeah. It's like this. Come on, Chuck, let's get another feeling. term. Terminal. I'm going <sighs> to be on terminal vacation. God, that sounds terminal. No smile. I know. <laughs> so, so that's happening in a couple of weeks. And so just getting all the, uh, getting up to speed on the things. I was the development director prior. So I was just in my lane of fundraising and yep. networking and um, kind of getting the word out because no one, everywhere I went, I'd ask, do you know about communities and schools? And nobody knew about communities and schools. So it was a lot of work to be done, just um, grassroots meeting with people and sharing the message about what we do, um, which I suppose I should tell you is um we're all ears right so we are uh community schools as a national organization it's a dropout prevention organization started in 1977 in new york um and it's spread across the nation we're in over 20 states there's hundreds of affiliates across the state each affiliate um, is responsible for its own fundraising um, there's some some oversight by national um in that they give us a data system that we can all put our uh, data into which is things that we um 
collect data on are like grades, attendance, um, behavior incidents, uh, what partners we're working with in the community, mentoring, you know, that kind of stuff. So yep. we collect data on everything. Um, and they provide that system, and then we have to meet their accreditation standards. But otherwise, you know, we don't pay them dues, and they don't really, they're not really involved otherwise. So um, they're really... So I that's why I thought it was like a homegrown organization. Right. Yeah, because um, it feels like that, right? Um, a lot of affiliates get started in different ways. And in Spokane, we got started in 2007, because the graduation rate in Spokane County was so low. It was only like 66% of high school kids were graduating on time. I remember that. Yeah, right? It was pretty bad. That's like one out of three kids not graduating. Um, And that wasn't that long ago. And so a bunch of uh, business owners in the community came together um, to figure out how to solve this problem because they found that they didn't have viable candidates to hire. Um, And they invited communities and schools to come to Spokane or to start an affiliate. And so that's how the Spokane affiliate was formed. Um, there's other affiliates in Washington that are formed from our Washington State um, governing body, Communities and Schools of Washington. Okay. I don't know what it's like. Our umbrella company that provides, you know, they what they do for us is they talk to larger foundations that um, you know don't want to talk to individual small affiliates. They want to uh, support on a larger scale. So they'll talk to those foundations like Balmer, you know, yep. big big companies or big foundations. Um, and they kind of support us by, uh, you know, they developed a website uh, that we could all utilize, you know, utilize the template. Um, so things like that. So there's, so we really are kind of our own organization. Every affiliate can kind of look very different depending on the needs of the community, right? Communities and schools. Um, so, so let's see, it started in 2008 and um, we've grown from four schools. We're in 22 now. That's um, awesome. Yeah, we're in Cheney Congratulations. School. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We're in Cheney School District, Medical Lake School District, um, SPS, and Central Valley School District. And what, our, what we do is we hire a site coordinator and we place them in that school. So they work in the school and they uh, help identify students that are at risk of uh, academic failure. And, um, and among other things, I mean, that's the, that's the primary thing, but, um, you know, kids that just need support, maybe a kid that, um, is alone a lot, right. doesn't have friends and, you know, just kind of watching out for them and, um, you know, trying to provide opportunities for them to engage with other students. Um, they work with the school to identify a school-wide goal. So attendance is down right now. Attendance is really bad because, you know, during the pandemic, kids didn't have to go to school. They got into that habit of not going to school. So now um, they don't think it's that important to go to school. Dang. That's a challenge. Like, how are we going to overcome that as a society? Right. Right. So school isn't valued right right now. Um, And so our site coordinators work to uh, bring that whole attendance goal or, um, yeah, to meet that attendance goal of the school. So they provide incentives. It's way easier in elementary school, right? Because you sure. can offer trinkets and, you know, activities and things <laughs> yes. like that to get kids excited to come to school. It's a little bit harder in middle school and high school. You have to, you know, maybe have some really intriguing programming. So that's another thing we do is we create programs that we know the kids will be interested in and they want to participate in. Um, and, you know, uh, sometimes the uh, being involved in that requires you to have your attendance up or, and or not to be failing your classes. So... Um, we are very strategic in a school and, and working with school to identify the um, weaknesses and how we can um, how we can support um, the school in um, overcoming some of those challenges. Yeah, and identifying you know at risk yeah. youth. Right. I was one of those people. I didn't know communities and schools. Um, 
Yeah, sorry. But I uh, I did learn about maybe four years ago, Home Depot brought me to uh, one of your uh, fundraisers Oh, uh, out at Northern Quest. And yeah. I was impacted. I was like, wow, this is the kind of organization that I want to be you know, involved with and understand. And what impacted me was you had some folks come and speak about their experiences in the program and some of the kids, but also uh, those folks who are at the school. And what I heard is like, they're in relationship with these kids. They know their story. Like, and sometimes like pretty intimately know their stories. And I have to imagine like just knowing someone cares, just one person that's, that's just got to help a bit. And that's what impacted me. I was like, I love this work. Yep. Yeah. So they, yeah, they develop the relationships with those students. Um, and you're right. They get to know what's going on in that kid's life. What's going on with the family. Um, does the family need support and reaching out? Uh, we've got some really dynamic site coordinators um, that work in schools and um, all of our site coordinators are connected. So if a kid, if we have a student at Bemis um, who has older siblings that go to Shaw and, uh, and or Rogers High School, we've got site coordinators at each of those schools so we can work with those site coordinators and say, hey, this family needs X, Y, and Z, you know. This is what's going on. And so everybody's in the loop. Incredible, like a continuum. Yeah. Right. Awesome. And that's what we want to create is a continuum of support. So we want to, we target schools that um, our kids are in, and then we want to know what's the middle school they're going to go to, what's the high school they're going to go to, and we need site coordinators along the way. So once you get, once you have that support, you typically need to continue. You, you typically need that support throughout. It's not, oh, I'm good now. You right. know. <laughs> and there's some kids like that for sure. But um, for the majority, especially in Northeast Spokane, that's um, an area that has a high level of um, low-income families and people that are struggling with poverty and uh, food insecurity and, um, you know, homelessness and things like that. And so that's an area that we focus on, and um, we want to make sure that the the students and families are constantly receiving support. We've got kids right now who are, um, I'm not going to name the school, but it's in Northeast Spokane. that the whole family's living out of a sedan and they park wow. near the school and they sleep. I, I asked, I asked the psych so how, are they sleeping sitting up in the back seat? Yes. And so they go to the school to shower and to get, um, you know, fresh clothes and things like that or wash clothes. Um, but yeah, there's, there's families that are living in cars right around the schools. I mean, I know yep. that we know this, but it's different when you actually hear about it and see it like and you for yourself it. yeah totally well what the a commitment to their children to like actually keep them in school right well that's a stable place right so they mm. can go to school they can get a shower they can wash their clothes they can um they can get meals they can get food and snacks um there it's it's a warm place um so even if they're not necessarily going to class and paying attention it's a place where they can get all these resources i mean it's hard to pay attention in class when you're dealing with homelessness and yeah or um, hungry right <laughs> or hungry so or not wanting to go home because whatever situation right, because what's going on at home um yeah we've we've got kids that run that are living in all those situations um and those are the kids that we provide a lot of support to and it's it's a heavy burden on our site coordinators mentally and um, so we got a uh, we we uh, wrote several grants and they got all they all got funded. So this is really all right. To congratulations! I know I was I was so surprised. I'm like, oh my god! Every time one came in, I was just impressed. But um, it's uh, because mental health is on the rise. I mean, it's like we've known this, right? The United States doesn't take care of our, our 
uh, doesn't look at mental health the same way other uh, countries do. Yep. And so our uh, people that struggle with mental health are usually neglected and not receiving proper services and things like that. And it's taboo still. Anyway, um, let's change that. Right. But COVID really kind of brought that to the forefront, especially kids in isolation for so long and not able to have the social interactions or being in households that just were not healthy for them to be in 24 hours a day. Um, so we uh, were able to get a um, mental health program manager and she has her MSW. So we had our own professional um, therapist. Yeah. In-house. Who, right. Because there's so few resources in Spokane for people to go to. And we don't provide mental health services, but we have her as an, an expert to inform our site coordinators how they can um, run more effective programming um, that provides social emotional support for our students that are still coming out of that, um, still coming, still recovering from the pandemic. Good I for mean, you and your organization to thanks. take that next yeah, step. Yeah, it was I can super exciting. Yeah, I imagine that site coordinator, like they're doing their best, right? Right. But now they have someone they can pick up, a professional, pick up the phone, call. Right. I imagine that's going to lead to like less burnout too. Exactly. That was, so it was a two-prong approach with her. It was one to support our site coordinator's mental health because they're receiving, they're going, you know, they're getting all this vicarious trauma from listening to these student stories. And, you know, when you're, when you're talking about elementary schools, elementary yeah. school kids that are now um, having, are depressed and experiencing anxiety, I mean, that wasn't really heard of that much before. Like, elementary school kids talking about suicide and depression is not something that we really heard that much about. But now it's pretty normal to hear about it. Dang. So that's, that, that's, a, that's a heavy that's a heavy weight to carry. Um, so she she provides uh, mental health support for our site coordinators as well as informing them on how to provide better social emotion support. And um, she she for site coordinators that don't or are uncomfortable creating programs because they just don't feel they have the skill set, she can come in and help them set up programming for students that meets their needs and you know kind of walk alongside them and help them get those things going because that's one of the criteria for the site coordinators is to create programs you know, after school programs, before school, during school, like lunch groups, things like that. Um, but just a space that actually provides some sort of um, support, whether it's social emotion support, academic support, you know, stuff like that. So, um, and then she also, we, we knew that we, so in order to have interns that are getting their masters of social work, um, we had to have uh, someone with a master's of social work on staff so she could also so help now us you can expand part, yeah you can partner with uh, the higher education programs exactly. around town right so now we have uh, master's of social work interns working in all of our schools so it really helps expand um, our capacity to to support more students yeah and, and be more sustainable and, right and effective right so well, how do you support that you talked about grants right. uh, coming in like how was this funded? It's pretty amazing to go from four schools to 20. Yeah, to 22. 22? Yeah. 22. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it dep- it, a lot of it is grant funded. Uh, so we have a 21st century grant that supports seven sites. Um, and we the other sites, the schools actually pay for the program. That's so, a commitment from the school. Right. Good for them. Yeah, so they pay for the the program, and um, those that can't pay the full amount, then we fundraise to help cover the cost. Um, and also, we're working with um, 
Enovia and their Northwest Launch Program to uh, provide more sites around the community to keep those kids from keep those kids graduate on time, but also to um, make sure that they have um, opportunities for post high school education, whether it's trade school, community college, or four year college. So. We're working with them on and partnering to expand our program to more schools too. So, well, you've done really well in your role. Thank and you. I can see, yeah, that that passion and yeah, you're gonna be a great leader uh, of your organization. Well, it's fun. Yeah, I it bet. Is fun. How did you get to this organization? Have you been in Spokane long? No. Is yeah. this home? No. Yeah. Yes. And no. Uh, I grew up in Seattle. I uh, went to WSU. I ended up in Spokane in 2000. Um, so I've been here for 22 years. It's a long time. Oh, yeah. That's home. Um, I know, right? It took me a long time to say that. I still have a hard time <laughs> saying that. But that's okay. I love Spokane, everybody. I still love Spokane. Uh, <laughs> but, but I am still a Seattleite. I love uh, Seattle's my favorite city. Um, anyway, I know there's a lot of haters out there. Uh, True. Seriously. I know. It's funny. Um, but, I, you know, probably the way most development people end up in development, which is uh, randomly. You just randomly end Sounds up in about it. right. Seriously. So I worked for the state of Washington for a long time. I was a florist. That's I worked with Dana at the Davenport. I was okay. I, was I heard that story, that time, right? Um, I By the way, y'all had amazing flowers back in the back day. Back in the day, right? Yes, I know. Not, not so much now. Not so much now. But back in the day, we had a good time. We made some beautiful stuff. Hmm. Uh, it was a good time to be at the Davenport. Um, so I worked for the state for a long time. I had a friend who worked in um, human studies, <clears throat> excuse me, research, and um, uh, that's what I was interested in college, right? I was, in, I was a psych major. I was all about how the brain works. I worked in, uh, I worked in two labs with two professors <clears throat> as an undergrad, and I even got published with one of them on a research study that we had run. Awesome. I know, right? It's kind of cool. We're uh, here with someone famous, everybody. I mean, only if you read, like, psychological <laughs> journals. That's not a psychological <laughs> thriller? Oh, okay, It's like a okay. opioid study on... It. Anyway, it was a long time ago. Um, so that's always been a passion of mine, like, learning how the brain works and the chemistry behind it and all that kind of stuff. So I always thought, you know, I'm going to be a, I'm gonna be in research. Well, life, you know, how life works. Twist and turns. Twist and turns. Um, so I moved back to Seattle. was getting ready to get all into research. didn't work out uh, because... I got engaged and my fiance moved to Spokane. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do in Spokane? Yeah, what's There's happening? No research. <laughs> There's no research in Spokane. So, um, so part time, you know, just kind of, uh, I had to get into the um, the uh, temp job market, you know, in order to find jobs. And, yeah, connect into right. the. So it so it was a depressing time. Anyway, long story short, ended up at the state for a long time. Didn't love it. Ran into somebody who uh, was doing human research, was trying to get into that because that sounded intriguing, at least somewhat something uh, along the lines of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, that job totally dissolved. Like once I left the state, I gave my two weeks notice. I left, um, and she calls me and she goes, "Can you get your old job back?" And I said, "Oh no!" no. I said no. It's like going back to prison. Seriously, like it was like yeah, going you've back already to made that like right. mental shift. I will not go back. Yeah. Even my the old district manager that I worked with, he was like, "You can come back." I'm like. I'm not coming back. I, cannot do I will it. take time to find something else. And so what a phone call. Right? That's like when like my, I, I everything falls out. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I remember it too. I was driving home. I was all exciting because I just had like uh you know um champagne with my girlfriends, you know, to celebrate me leaving. 
And then I get that call on the way home. I'm like, seriously. Oh. Anyway, it's, it, it all works out, right? Oh, so, yeah. So I took the time off to figure out what I want to do with myself and, um, you know, heal from some trauma I experienced at the, at the state. And um, uh, a friend of mine was volunteering at Communities and Schools on their fundraising committee. And we were out to dinner one night. And she goes, well, are you interested in volunteering? I said, sure. I don't have anything else to do. Great time to you know try other things and meet other people. Yep. So um, so I started volunteering on their fundraising committee, and um, that was at Coins and Clovers, which was in 2018 in March at Northern Quest. So I don't know if that's that the might have been the to. one I was there. Were there dan- Were there like Irish dancers? There? Yeah, there was. Okay, so yeah, we brought in Irish dancers. We had uh, that was because fun it was, night yeah, by the way. Right, it was right around yeah. St. Patrick's Day, yep. and we had like. Um, the Scottish Scottish band come through, like, yeah, with their kilts and everything on. That was awesome. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, it was also one of the, it's during March Madness. And I remember while we have the dancers dancing and the Scottish pipers piping and stuff, everyone was glued to the TV to watch the game. I remember on my, in fact, you're, <laughs> yeah, it was phones at our table. I remember a couple of the folks I know. There. I'm and like, I'm come like, on, I'm looking Look, around what's the going room, on? This is magic. Like, I know. I was like, what is going on? Anyway, so lesson So learned. no more events no during more events March, March Madness. No, yeah. no, I learned my lesson there. Smart. But we still, um, I, uh, I remember I was working on the baskets and they had, they were, they were made up, uh, by, um, some volunteers and I looked at them and I was like, these are terrible. And I spent like a whole day undoing all the baskets and redoing them and. There was one that was pretty awesome because I bit on it and got it. Oh, yeah. It was f- custom made it? fishing lures and oh, a trip yeah. down the Spokane River right below us here at the Spokane Library. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we could do that one again. Yeah. I'll, I'll come. Well, I'll okay. bid. Well, then come because yeah. we need more fishermen at our events. Mm. My husband's a fisherman and we'll get into that later. Um, so, I, I read it all the baskets mm. and we had all these, all this other inter- entertainment going on and we raised more money at that event than we had before. Um, and it was kind of fun. So I bet it felt good to be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. Right. To, uh, yeah. I love always, you know, meeting and or, and or exceeding goals, really exceeding goals is fun. Um, and so agreed. <laughs> I know. Right. Meeting yeah. goals is like, eh, eh. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we made more money that night. So, um, I continued working with her, um, on our next turn or our next event, which was a Northern quest golf tournament. And, um, then she ended up having, she was already a retiree from Boeing and she, she had another side business going on and it was just too much stress for her. So she had to choose, choose one. And she chose her side business, which is, you know, um, she's boarding horses and doing horseback riding lessons. I mean, that's totally different. Yeah. And it was all at her home also. So, so she chose that, which then left that role vacant and she recommended me for the job and, um, Chuck seeing the work that I had done. Um, and my commitment to it and always showing up because you can't rely on volunteers, right? Apparently, but I, I, but I showed up, I still did all the things I said I was going to do. And, um, so he hired me <laughs> based off of that. So that's I would how I too. Yeah. Effective, committed, <laughs> responsible. Yes. I know. Yeah. So that's, that's how I ended up in development. That's yeah. Random. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's inc- been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's been the most fun job I've ever had. Like I enjoy doing it. I enjoy going. I'm, I'm, it works for my brain. Um, I'm a very strategic thinker, and so that's uh, so I just have a lot of fun with it. It's like yeah. making all those connections and connecting the dots and seeing the big picture and working towards all that. It's fun. Yeah, this work in the the nonprofit world and you know in social enterprises, you're helping people. I didn't understand the allure until I got into it. I'm like, oh, whoa, we can do big things yeah right and 
it's intoxicating for me. It's like, I want to just keep being a part of that and being part of the big conversations and helping people. And yeah, that's why I just, I love this work. Yeah. It's incredible. I never thought of nonprofits as a, um, job opportunity. Neither did I. It wasn't even on my radar. It totally wasn't. (laughs) No, I don't know why. I think it's because, uh, and this is something that we have to change the narrative uh, everyone still sees it as like, oh, you, you get people to volunteer to do good. Yep. Lie. <laughs> right. Right. And, pe- and even funders still ha- think that way. Like um, they don't want to give money to support the organization or operational costs. They want to just give money to buy food or to buy this, that or the other, which is great. But we we actually have employees that uh, deliver those goods yep and they need to be paid a living wage yeah to effectively change you right. know these systems or the these whatever your mission is as an organization yeah it takes dollars and humans yeah it takes human it takes human power and those humans need to live um need to be able to live and thrive even um especially because they're making all these connections with kids and you have to have a stable person in that position for a long time in order to build that trust between students and even the school administration and teachers you know they are very protective of their students as well and they don't want to just hand them over if you've got a revolving door of people coming through like you can't trust someone to really care for um, all the needs of a student and really know what's going on with them intimately and their families if they are constantly changing we're in a similar space that way in our employment of you know, people living with a disability, that's our focus at SkillSkin. Mm-hmm. And on our federal contracts, um, if our management's changing all the time, yeah, the, the friends, the family of our employees, they want to know why. Right. Yeah, it's concerning. Yeah. But yeah, if we can help, uh, you know, pay a, a living wage and, and something people can be proud of and live, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. So changing, changing those conversations with funders. And I know if once they really understood it, they'd be on board. But they still have that old mindset, too. Like, oh, you should be using volunteers for this. Well, you can't rely on volunteers. Right. That old model of uh, a woman that worked at home and is now just giving her time to uh, to support a nonprofit or a charity, That those days are gone. Yeah, it's antiquated. Right. It's over. Right. Like, the, we live in a society to of two-income to households. <laughs> yeah, like, no one has any time. Right. Barely have time to breathe or talk to each other. Seriously. Yeah. I know. Well, that's I Just think that's a, that time. right. <laughs> that's an incredible um, point. Yeah. Like, yeah, we cannot rely on volunteers to like move the needle. Right. Volunteers are tired too. Yes, they and are. And they are already working. So. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, people. Yeah. <laughs> Pay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, people are actually paying volunteers now. I mean, I don't know if that, that means volunteers anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they need the people to do that work and they can't rely on the volunteer base anymore. I mean, we can barely get people to come to work anymore. So you're really not going to get volunteers. <laughs> I know. That's been, just been so wild the last couple of years yeah. to just see the, the workforce kind of, you know, not be there. Yeah. Yeah. They really have vanished. Seriously. Where are they? <laughs> Yep. No one has that answer. Right? If we did, yeah, we'd be on a different podcast. Start a new nonprofit. Sorry, good gabbers. Yeah. It's a new nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find, find the people. Find the people. <laughs> we'll learn it right here in Spokane. Indeed. Add it to our 2,400 other nonprofits in this town. Okay, so you've been in Spokane, you know, 
for over 20 years now mm-hmm. and you've seen this place change yep. and now you're in the nonprofit space you've worked for the state any insight that you have about this uh this city how it's changed over time or anything that you you know want to highlight that you really like what's happening you would encourage the city to kind of keep going in that direction yeah i think it's been changing for the better i mean thank god that um um Oh gosh, who's the Davenport guy? Who? What's his name? Walt Worthy. Yeah. Sorry, Walt, if you're out there. <laughs> so yeah, Walt Worthy, I think was really instrumental in turning uh, tra- uh, turning downtown around. Um, I what I loved about Seattle was downtown. Yeah. I lived within. I mean, I could walk to it, and so I spent a lot of time downtown as a kid growing up, and um, that was really important to me. A vibrant downtown was just really for me, very, really exciting, invigorating. And when I moved here, it was just, it was dead. It was dead. There was no good food. There was nothing going on after five. There was no coffee shop open. Like, there were hardly any Starbucks here. I think there were, like, one or two. Everything closed at five. Um, You're describing my childhood. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know. Sorry, dude. Everyone's like, oh, it's so great to grow up in Spokane. I'm like, really? Yeah. What did you do? <laughs> anyway. Um, Trouble. That's what we did. Right? Trouble. I know. And I was, like, on the bus and all over Seattle as a child. <laughs> by myself it was fun um but so revitalizing the downtown and really getting getting that um like spreading that energy and our our food scene has really improved which is awesome our um you know we even then in the early 2000s we had a good wine scene going on it was slowly growing and i think i was a member at all the wine clubs and i became an expert in my early 20s on wine which was fun um so the wine and then the beer scene came on and the coffee scene all things that i love so, uh, and then just good food, like attracting more and more, um, uh, entrepreneurs and, and, um, people that were opening new restaurants and different stuff. So that, that was really exciting. Now our art scene's coming up, which I is know, cool. I know, it's awesome. Right. So I really feel like we've got a good, um, good energy and, and good growth. Um, I, my beef, here's my beef. It's not a walkable city unless you no. live in Kendall Yards or maybe this, and, or the South Hill. Yeah. Um, but if you live on the north side, which is a huge portion of Spokane, I know people don't like to think north of the river, but they do exist, and we do want better. Yep. <laughs> so, so not all the streets have sidewalks. Um, our major thoroughfares, um, you know, there's no trees planted. Um, it's so there's nothing desirable to look at while you're walking from your home to a resource. You know, if you want to go to the grocery store or just wherever you want to go to a local restaurant, something. It's just not pleasant to walk. And I walked a lot growing up. Um, that's how I got around Seattle. And so I really miss that, not being able to just leave my house and go for a really pleasant walk, just even if it's just to look around or to get to a destination. Um, it's like uh, this is a really hot place. Right. It's really hot in the summer. It would and be nice to have some shade. It would be nice right? to have some shade. And the parks here, sometimes I'm like, why is this even a park? I mean, who do you expect to come here? And there's no trees. It's just open field. It's too hot for that. Um, But we are getting better parks. So I'm going to lay off the parks department. I mean, downtown, what they've done to Riverfront Park is awesome. But I appreciate that, right? It's like, you know, uh, when we have other perspectives on things Mm -hmm. and just the idea of like walkability on the north side that's important to say right and it's something that you know our city and our community we can aspire to yeah like we can make more you know garland districts and yeah the revamping of monroe i know that's yep. a controversial issue but you know what it looks nice right 
And those trees are going to grow up. They so, will grow up. Yes. And yeah. we can do that in other uh, areas like that, those little neighborhood hubs. Well, especially yeah. Northeast, right? Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I would say we got to get that freeway done, and so right? that way some investment can come in. Everyone's yeah. just kind of waiting. Yeah, and I mean it's it is more, happening. Yes, I do, and I've used parts of it, which is cool, but um, yeah, it needs to get done. Um, I'd say Monroe, the everyone uh, build up, build up. Like, yep. why are we density? Scared of, right. Why are we scared to build up? Why do we keep wanting to sprawl out? I don't know. I mean, we already have a traffic problem, and we don't have the infrastructure to support, you know, the the growth that we've seen. Um, so why are we spreading out more? Just build up. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And Monroe is like a perfect place to do that. I don't know what the... Yeah, can you imagine? I can. I can see it right now. Right? Mind. I can too. I lived in Seattle for about six years. I lived in Georgetown. Oh, uh, yeah. Downtown there. And um, it was cool to see what density looks like and to experience that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So grow up. I love it. Grow up, Spokane. <laughs> you heard, yeah, you heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Deborah, we just uh, appreciate your your time with us, Thanks. and um, I just want to thank you for joining us today. And yeah, Thanks for having me and let me say crazy things. Heck yeah, right back at you. <laughs> cool. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Merry Christmas or happy yeah. holidays. You can edit that out. Both. <laughs> happy New Year. Yeah, New Year's. We're safe. safe. We're safe. <laughs> <laughs>